0: Season four of let Radio is sponsored by Book Taco, an online program for managing independent reading in grades K-8. Book Taco has some solid writing options for prompting students to respond to the books they read independently. It's a great way to evaluate their thinking and monitor their progress during the school year. I'll explain the details later on in the episode. Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Well, there's something that's been on my mind lately. I've seen a lot of teachers asking questions like this on uh, social media, you know, in different teacher groups, as well as teachers asking questions like this of me when I present and do demonstration lessons for them. And uh, a question that comes up a lot, and this type of question comes up a lot is that teachers wonder how to help students who are exhibiting, um, you know, like some unproductive reading behaviors. So for example, um, a student might be reading so fast that he can't remember anything that he just read. You know, I think most of us have seen a student like that. And teachers often ask, well, what can I do for this student? And a lot of the suggestions that I hear or read about people making, um, they really do make sense to help improve the student behavior. But I'm finding that there's actually a problem. And the problem is that the suggestions that people are, are providing are really just kind of circling the issue and they don't necessarily make it clear to the student that what they're doing doesn't work and why it doesn't work. And I think that part is actually the most important part. It really needs to be clear to the student before the teacher you know, determines a strategy and, and a plan of action and set goals and all those things is that it needs to be clear to the student that what's going on needs to change, and they need to understand why that needs to change. And then they can get on board with you about how to go about making those changes. And then your instruction will actually, you know, make more sense to the student. So something that I do a lot with kids, and I didn't realize this was unique to me. I mean, it's really not unique to me, honestly. But I didn't realize that other teachers didn't approach things this way until teachers were surprised at my my response. So you know, if a student is reading too fast, I would say something to the student directly, like, you know, Jose, you're reading too fast, and that's making it hard for you to understand and remember what you read. It isn't working, is it? And usually the student goes, oh, well, no, okay, it's not. You know, they it, it kind of comes to light for them that this behavior just isn't productive. And then we say, well, let's find a different way of reading so we can solve this problem, and it'll go better for you. Um, It's interesting that You know, students really appreciate you being just straight up with them. Just be honest, you know, tell them when something isn't working, but then, of course, focus on a solution. You want to make it clear to the student that I believe that you can do this, but there's something going on or not going on that's getting in the way of you achieving this goal. And and of course, I completely believe that you can achieve this goal. And my job is to help you get there. Let's do it together. Right? And I just think getting real with students is something we've got to do. And of course, in order to do this, you have to have incredibly trusting relationships with your students. They really have to understand that you want what's best for them and that you're there to help them succeed and it's not about them, you know, doing something wrong or that they're not good enough or smart enough any of those things. It really is about, oh gosh, there's an obstacle or there's something, you know, really that's standing in your way. Let's remove it. Let's figure out how to work around it and we're going to do that, you know, we're going to do that together. Um, I'm just always surprised by by teachers not really getting honest and telling kids, you know, what you're doing right now isn't working, right? This strategy you're using or this approach that you have, you need to stop doing that, it's not working for you. Let's replace that with a better behavior that's going to work for you. Uh, well, and the reason I, I thought about sharing this today is I was told something recently that I thought was very funny. Uh, but also very telling about uh, my teaching style as well as the style i use when i'm teaching um, adults you know when i'm doing trainings and and demonstrations is that i just like to get real i want to be very honest about what works what doesn't work what we need to stop doing and start doing um, especially in education where we just keep adding more and more and more onto our plates and we don't talk enough about what to remove what we can stop doing uh, what we can replace with other things. And I think we need to do that for students too. We can't just keep you know, adding strategies and adding approaches and adding tasks and activities without removing some things or at least helping kids filter out you know, what their area of focus needs to be and why they're focusing on that particular area. And that just gets down to being straight up and getting really real uh, with students. And I had some teachers recently tell me that anytime they do that with their students, when they get down and say, you know, you're doing this thing, you need to stop doing this, you need to start doing this instead, let's work towards that. Um, They call that Julie webbing it, which I thought was pretty funny. So my name has now become a verb, but I was very honored actually and quite touched by that because I thought, you know what, I really do value just being very straight up with students, just, you know, clear the cobwebs, clear the clutter, and just get in there and be honest with them about what's working and what's not and have them have confidence in you Uh, that you can get them, you know, straightened out, that you can be able to help them and make sure that you're building the confidence in them that they can also do that. So then if we have, you know, those straight conversations with kids and we get them to realize, oh, we're going to head a different direction, you know, and here's why. Then I think all of those other great suggestions that I hear teachers making about different strategies, different approaches, different tools you might use. Then I think all of those suggestions have a much better opportunity, a much better chance to actually be effective. If, this, if we just keep layering on different ideas, the student's just going to get kind of cluttered and they're not necessarily going to take advantage of those new opportunities we're putting in front of them because they don't even realize that they need to be taking advantage of them. So. I really suggest if your students are doing something that's just flat out unproductive for them, let's call it out, tell them what what you know is isn't working, show them that you're gonna be working on something different, and then really get clear towards working on that goal. And I think your students will be on board with you. I think they'll really uh, pleasantly surprise you. All right, so in today's episode of Lit Centric Radio, we're on episode 39. We're almost to 40, that's pretty exciting. And uh, we are taking a look at balancing facts and emotions. And uh, sometimes we think that those two things are always separate um, when we're reading and writing, but in fact, they actually do, you know, come into play quite often together. And they certainly do in uh, texts that are narrative nonfiction, which is the type of text we're going to be sharing today we're going to take a look at Humphrey the Lost Whale. Now, this is a classic narrative nonfiction. It's been around for a long, long time now. And the reason I love it is because it really is a good example of how nonfiction narrative can be really captivating. It's full of drama and tension. And and best of all, there's some actual video footage of this lost whale uh, that you can still find online and create a really interesting text set for students. And I like to use Hunt for the Lost Whale to show students how authors use feelings and human reactions to add suspense to, you know, a real life drama and really how these things come together to make writing really compelling and worth sharing. And the underlying message for students is, you know, nonfiction doesn't have to be dry. It can actually be suspenseful and captivating and highly interesting. Uh, and Humphrey the Lost Whale is a great text for us to use to show students that. If you're not uh, familiar with this uh, with this text or this story, it, of course, since it's nonfiction narrative, it's based on a true story of uh, this humpback whale named Humphrey and the time uh, in the kind of mid to late 80s when he uh, was swimming through the San Francisco Bay. And uh, the San Francisco Bay, if you've never been before, it's actually not very far from where I live. And uh, it's a very busy place. There's many ships and ferries and all sorts of types of boats and fishing going on. And of course it's surrounded by uh, many bridges, lots of traffic, lots of city life. It's a very busy active place. Lots of marine life live in the Bay, but not so much humpback whales. And uh, the fascinating part about Humphrey was that he got so lost that instead of turning around and going back out to the ocean, which should have been a pretty you know, obvious uh, transition for him, he ended up swimming up the Sacramento River. And the Sacramento River spills right into the bay. But of course, a river is full of fresh water, not salt water. And so he really got turned around and swam very far up. Um, into the Sacramento River and surrounding regions that are way too far from the ocean for a whale. It was an amazing story. And I was an elementary school student when uh, Humphrey made the news. I remember watching the news uh, with my family and just marveling at the fact that there was a whale in the river and what were they going to do about it. And so when you look online uh, to, to find Humphrey the Lost Whale, Uh, or Humphrey the Humpback Whale, you'll actually see some of this footage and it's pretty fascinating. And the book does a fantastic job of illustrating and uh, describing this experience for people. And it does a fantastic job of balancing the factual information with the emotional, compelling side of the story, which again is why I love to use this book. So let's take a look at today's text, Humphrey the Lost Whale. Our story begins on a sunny day, far out at sea, A pod of humpback whales was traveling south together for the winter. Humpback whales are magnificent creatures that sing beautiful songs to each other underwater. In the whole world, there are very few of them, so each one is quite special. And they are intelligent. Every winter they travel south, every summer they head north, and they always know the way but even whales can make mistakes. One whale named Humphrey made a big one. He turned away from his friends and wandered under the Golden Gate Bridge into San Francisco Bay. Everyone was surprised to see Humphrey in the bay. People don't usually get to see humpback whales very often because they usually stay in very deep waters. It was a special treat to see one so close to the city of San Francisco. Humphrey was a spectacular sight, as long as a city bus and as big as seven elephants put together. He would come up to breathe, appearing as if by magic, and people would stop whatever they were doing to watch him. Then, Humphrey did something that no whale had ever done. Instead of swimming back out to sea, he went the wrong way up the Sacramento River. The big river became smaller and smaller as Humphrey traveled upstream. Taco is different from other online reading platforms because users aren't limited to only multiple choice quizzes to evaluate student reading. As you know, writing is one of the best ways to gain insight into how students think, and the more students write, the better their thinking and reading comprehension will be. When it comes to writing, Book Taco's got you covered. Once students have finished reading a book or even a chapter of a book, they can log on to Book Taco and respond to a writing prompt to think deeply about what they read. There's a drop down menu for students to choose from that includes some great questions and tasks that prompt students to dig deep and explain themselves thoroughly. For example, one prompt asks students to describe the main character's transformation throughout the story. Another asks, Do you think the title fits the book? Why or why not? One of my favorite prompts asks students to discuss a portion of the book that was too predictable. Wow, isn't that a fantastic prompt? As you can tell, the writing tasks in Book Taco go far beyond retelling exercises. Students really have to bring their A game. Oh, and did I mention the prompts are available in Spanish too? When a student sends their response through the Book Taco platform, it shows up in your teacher dashboard. There, you can read each response and assign it a score of one to five using the Book Taco scoring system. Or you can assign a score using your district's rubric or scoring guide. And I love that teachers can also leave feedback for students to acknowledge the good work they've done and to support their growth and achievement. Log on to BookTaco.com and view the writing prompts for yourself. You'll see how much thinking goes into answering them. That's BookTaco.com. So I think that compelling, you know, uh, drama intense nature of this uh, nonfiction narrative really comes through well. It really was a captivating story in real life. So I don't think it was actually all that hard to tell and put that drama into the story. Uh, But students love this book. They just are, they're rooting for him. They're captivated. You will hear a pin drop no matter the age of your students. They just love to read about Humphrey. And there's a little bit more information in the um, back of the book. Um, more like a news report to give you a little bit more context and a little bit further story of Humphrey because uh, he had very unique um, tail flukes, which you know the fluke of a um, of a whale is unique, almost like a fingerprint. And so scientists have spotted him off the coast of uh, San Francisco uh, since that ordeal. And he's even actually been had to be rescued one more time in a different scenario. So I think there's something going on with Humphrey and his uh, natural navigation skills. Uh, But it's a really fascinating story. And I highly suggest creating that text set I mentioned earlier, uh, using the footage that you can find online uh, to show your students the real life Humphrey and actually... Uh, If you purchase uh, the Litcentric Radio lesson from our growing bundle online, I'll make sure to put uh, a link in there so you can watch the video with students. And if you actually Google, um, you know, whale in the Sacramento River, there are more than one. There's more than one story now um, about uh, whales getting lost. There was actually um, a female whale and her calf years later that uh, did the same thing, had a very similar problem. And it was fascinating. It was just, it was amazing how it worked out because I was doing an ocean unit with my first graders at the time. And uh, we were about to read Humphrey the Lost Whale. And then all of a sudden we hear on the news, of these two humpback whales, again, coming up the Sacramento River and they were very close to um, where I was teaching at the time. So some of my students actually drove over with their parents in the evening to watch this. So it was was crazy to actually read about this old story and at the same time, the same problem happening again. It was pretty fascinating. So for our bridge chart today, our bridge chart is highly connected to the text dependent questions that I ask um, of students while we're reading this text. And again, in our let Centric Radio lessons, I always include text-dependent questions to go with every book that I feature on the show because the text-dependent questions are always um, to spur students on to not only understand the content of what we're reading, but to focus them on the task that we're going to be working on uh, through the bridge chart and ultimately the writing task at the end. Because in order for our lesson to be uh, the most productive for students, and to give them the best chance of being successful, we want to make sure that our questions and our discussion, our chart, and our task are all really tightly aligned. And so, uh, with the text-dependent questions, as I mentioned with this book in particular, uh, they are—they're actually extremely tightly aligned to this bridge chart. And in my text-dependent questions, I always—I um, always make sure to include the page number because I want you to actually. Uh, photocopy them or print them onto sticky notes. Stick the sticky note directly onto the page so as you're reading aloud, you don't have to stop you know, and look at a different resource for the question. And if there's an actual answer that you're looking for to go with that question, I'll actually have that typed on there as well in a really small print, hopefully, where just you can kind of read it to students so you can keep on track. Make sure that students are coming up with and being led in the right direction as far as the types of answers that we're looking for. With our bridge chart, it's gonna be a simple T-chart today where on the left, we're gonna say, we're gonna title it Factual Events. And then the right, we're going to um, title it Emotional Reaction. And as I mentioned, the balance between the factual information and the emotional um, you know, humans element of the story uh, really comes into play beautifully in this nonfiction narrative. And that's what I want students to be focused on. And that's what I wanna feature. And for the factual events, Uh, There's several that I might list and share with students. This book, actually, the way it's organized, you'll notice that there may be a page or two of pretty much purely factual information, and then the next page will often have the human element, the emotional side of it, and then it'll go back to more information and then again back to the human element. And it's really nicely balanced that way. And it's fun to show that to students too because that's something they can definitely use in their writing. So for factual events on uh, the left side of our chart, I may uh, focus students on page five where Humphrey actually first enters the San Francisco Bay because that's incredibly important factual information. It really happened. It starts off, you know, the drama to the story. And so I would list something like that. Humphrey entered the San Francisco Bay, put that on the left side of the chart. Then for the emotional reaction, we're gonna continue reading because often, as I said, the following page or pages will include some of the emotional elements to that factual event. And so for this one, um, students might help me pull out language from the text, as well as add some of our own. Maybe words like excited, surprised, amazed. That was the emotional reaction people had to seeing Humphrey in the Bay. Then on page 12, Humphrey swam farther up the Sacramento River under a bridge. So he gets under the bridge or gets into the river, goes all the way to the bridge, Now let's actually focus on the emotional reaction here. So students might say uh, the people felt confused, worried, concerned, helpless. There may be um, different emotions going on there. Um, Later on, you know, I have several here that I use for factual events in the story. One later on might be, you know, oh, at the end, you know, Humphrey made it back under the bridge and all the way back to the ocean. And uh, remember how he spent that day, you know, swimming around the San Francisco Bay. So. In this respect for emotional reaction, we could say that people were excited, Uh, they they looked at him with wonder and awe, Uh, and we can also even include the emotional reaction of Humphrey. Of course, we don't know exactly how he felt, but we do know something about his behavior, and uh, we're assuming maybe he felt relieved and he was happy to be back where he belonged. So just because it's an emotional reaction side of the chart doesn't mean it's always the um, um, emotions of the people. There are several times in the story where the authors take some liberties and make some assumptions, probably about how Humphrey felt, and we want to include that um, in our chart as well with students. So, as I mentioned, those text-dependent questions—they really pause and ask students to consider the facts and the emotional reactions, and we analyze the language used, at least at the vocabulary level. Um, as to uh, how that's represented in the story. And then for the task, I actually want students to um, use information from the chart and really dive deeper into one of those factual events and describe it more in detail and use some of their own language um, to attach to that experience that people had. And that's where uh, referencing the text as well as um, maybe some video footage and things like that, I think will be really helpful for students. Well, I hope you enjoyed Humphrey the Lost Whale. It's one of my all time favorites. I remember reading it as a kid. Um, oh, and there's actually, I forgot to mention, there's a Reading Rainbow episode uh, that uses this text, and they do a great job of showing some footage uh, from that experience. And you can, uh, they do a good job, of course, because LeVar Burton's the host. He does a great job narrating it so that students get another layer of understanding about what happened. Now before I sign off with you here today, I want to make sure you don't forget to sign up to be a let Insider. Now uh, that's uh, where you're signing up to be on my email list and I send you reminders and links uh, to the show. I often send uh, free resources, videos I've created. I always share those with folks on my email list first, sometimes only exclusively on my list. For example, I often share The first uh, lesson of the new season of LitCentric Radio. I often share that for free to only folks on my list. And I call those folks LitCentric Insiders. And if you'd like to join the list, it's easy to do. You can go onto litcentric.com and scroll down about halfway on the homepage, and you'll see a big button there to join. And I don't send too many emails. I will not spam you, I will not share your email with anyone. Um, but it's a great way to uh, for me to share with you some of the things I've been working on. It's a great way for you to communicate with me. You can email me at julieweb@letcentric.com, And you can ask me questions or let me know of resources you're interested in. You can make suggestions on books you'd like featured on the show. I'd love to hear from you and what some of your needs are. And I have a final question for you. Have you taken a look at my mini course called Faster Running Records? So this is the course where I share my nine time-saving strategies for faster running records, and it's so jam-packed, you can actually finish it in under 30 minutes. So that's why I actually call it just a mini course. It's not one of those all-day kind of things. I have courses like that too, but this one really is designed to be just a quick investment, something you can do over a lunch break, and really get you organized and efficient so that you can get your running records done and you can get back to what you do best, which is teaching reading. So check it out. It's Faster Running Records, the mini course. It's at letcentric.com in the learn tab. All right, that's all for us today on LetCentric Radio. Thank you for listening week after week. Thank you for subscribing to the show. And I always appreciate you sharing the show with other teachers you know, because there's so many great things that we can share with one another. And that's one of the reasons I made Litcentric Radio. I wanted you to get new ideas that, uh, you know, you will find valuable, that have some rigorous content to them and are really going to help your students. And ultimately, I want to help you. I want all the content that you consume, things that you purchase, things you, you know, find online for free, no matter what they are please make sure that there are things that help you become a better teacher. Not just you know do activities and fill up the time. It's really not about the stuff, is it? It's always about building your expertise, helping you have greater teaching experiences, and really helping you reflect and be the educator you want to be. So that's always my goal here at Litcentric and everything that I do. And we will see you next time. Have a great day at school.